Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? In this episode, we'll reminisce about my childhood fishing excursions, find out how time and nature can help heal our minds and hearts, and we'll make a case for using your front and back porch no matter how big or small. This is episode 38. Here we go. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in this week. I just wanted to take a quick moment and again, thank you for reviewing and rating the podcast. And again, if you forget how to do that, I've added a permanent highlight on Instagram at Sunday Afternoon Mama so that you can just see the process in case you aren't sure how to do it. It's never too late. So if you haven't left a review, um, it takes less than two minutes. So you can go ahead and do that anytime. Well, I just wanted to begin with sharing one of our family's recent Saturday adventures together. It's a really simple one, but it's just that we have been working in our garden a lot and riding bikes and playing with the neighbors. So really simple things, but really, really enriching. You know what I mean? Like really fun and really good. So I just wanted to continue to advocate for all of us to get out on the front porch or front little steps, even if you don't have a full porch and just be, you know what I mean? Just have a chair, have a swing, have whatever you have in the front and just wave to people. It's amazing how that old fashioned kind of friendliness has become a little bit of a lost art in some. Now I've heard that some parts of the country, this is way more of a a thing. Like I just think where we live in particular, it's not as common. So I've just been trying to be more intentional about doing that. I've also been reading more at night. This is my other quick story. Um, Reading more versus the TV because I have a propensity to want to watch more TV. And I just have noticed that I drift off to sleep so much more calmly. And I know this is so true because they've done so many studies, like the blue light keeps you awake and all these things. And it's one of those things you know in your head, but it's hard to really let it sink into your heart and then change a habit. So I've been really happy that I've been slowly transitioning more and more to pick up a book instead of defaulting to TV. And my other quick story is that I had a recent visit with a friend and it was just so encouraging. It built up my confidence in a decision that I needed to make. And I just, I just loved spending time with this friend. She's one that I have known forever. And it's just, oh my goodness, good friends are such treasures in our lives. So I wanted to encourage you to make sure you're cultivating at least one or two good friendships that are inspiring and positive and uplifting to you. Do you know what I mean? There's people that definitely bring us up or bring us down. And as mamas, I feel like we've got enough challenges with just raising children and interacting with all of our extended family and neighbors and acquaintances and everything. So we need those those close friends to be ones that are going to pull us up and and spur us on towards more kindness and more more joy. So I am going to begin a short series today over the next few weeks about the power and the value of getting outside and spending time in nature. So kids and grown-ups desperately need more time in the fresh air away from digital distractions and temptations. We could all use more time digging in the soil, playing and running through the trees and the grass and smelling the fragrant flowers all around us, right? The art of wonder and fascination 
should be allowed to flourish within us, whether we're old or young. Time spent in nature really encourages this wonder. It inspires creativity and provides a peaceful retreat from the chaos of the culture. One of the main books I have been inspired by in my life, personally, especially for this series, is called Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder by Richard Louvre. It's an excellent read. He establishes from the beginning of the book, and oh, by the way, I will link this in the show notes, but he establishes right off the bat that children need nature, he says, for the healthy development of their senses and therefore for learning and creativity. He goes on to say, unlike television, nature does not steal time, it amplifies it. I love that. I love that perspective. I've never quite, I've never thought of it that way. And he goes on, Nature offers healing for a child living in a destructive family or neighborhood. It inspires creativity in a child by demanding visualization and full use of the senses. So nowadays, a problem that our children are all going to face is what Louv calls the criminalization of natural play. And that's where kids are discouraged from exploring, building things outside, playing sports on an empty field. And it also includes the weird but disturbing fear that seems to permeate modern opinion on hurting the earth, like when you're playing outside. What tends to happen now is that there's this over-glorification of nature as God so that we are almost afraid to touch it or use it how it's supposed to be used. And of course, with gentle and responsible stewardship. But it's like, um, there's an example in the book that he uses. It's like, oh no, you can't fly kites here on this beach because of this one random endangered bird, you know? And so it's like, not that we don't want to take care of things and, and the creatures and the actual nature itself, but when we step over that line into like reverencing the earth to the point that we would reverence God, it becomes kind of a problem because then we're afraid and we're teaching and passing on that fear to our kids. So they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go over here. I can't explore in the woods. Like what if this happens or that? So I wanted to contrast something I thought was super interesting about playgrounds even. So not just playing out in the woods or in a field or on a farm or whatever, but playgrounds are kind of different and interesting around the world. So the, the average playground here like let's say the U.S. and then narrowing it down to like the Pacific Northwest, which is where my last, you know, 20 plus years have been. It's like they're, they're not a ton of opportunities to really, I don't know the right words. I don't know, just explore and be free in a, in a kind of somewhat contained environment. There's some very interesting differences I observed. So let's just compare where I live now to Switzerland, like even in a large city like Zurich, what I noticed was you could find pockets of nature that yes, they're preserved, they're taken care of, there's not trash everywhere, but the kids are a little bit more free to really dig in the dirt or like play in the sand or I don't know, it was amazing. There was um, this one park, I will never forget it. There was kind of a natural stream running through the park and it was really, really shallow. I mean, it was just barely would cover your feet, um, barely even, it wasn't even to your ankles practically. So this little natural stream and then there was a wooden a bunch of wooden play structures, like all wood, and it had been worn down over the years so that there's no way you could get a sliver. It was just kind of soft. There weren't any rough edges. And then there were large roped swings and baskets that you could, you know, pile a couple of kids in and they could swing versus you compare to many playgrounds here and it's like metal, plastic, and heavily restricted players with like five million rules. (laughs) Not that rules are bad, but do you know what I mean? There's a lot more concern for things here that, you know, I don't know. It was just very interesting to see the differences. A huge point that Louvre makes is that many of today's attention problems, namely ADD and ADHD, could be helped if not eliminated or cured through what he calls nature therapy. Just time outdoors. It's that simple. 
channeling all of that energy that kids have into climbing trees and building forts and hiking and fishing. Now, this is not to to boil down a very complicated issue to like, if everybody got outside, we'd have no problems at all. Like, I'm not saying that, but it was very compelling to read his argument for getting outside, especially if your child has some attention challenges and problems. So he states that, this is a direct quote, as as the nature deficit grows, another emerging body of scientific evidence indicates that direct exposure to nature is essential for physical and emotional health. New studies show that exposure to nature can reduce symptoms of ADHD and improve all children's cognitive abilities and resistance to negative stresses and depression. Isn't that incredible? And as a former educator, I wholeheartedly agree. I've seen this to be true in many children, many teenagers. And as a mama now, I've observed the value and power of nature to have a huge impact on myself and my children. So for me, I've noticed even, let's say, a camping trip. I feel like I come alive. I feel like I just recharge. I have more energy. You use all of your senses to engage with nature, right? You're smelling, noticing different smells and you're noticing different sights. And then you're like touching and getting into like actually playing in the water or building a fire with your own two hands. You know what I mean? So it can help you connect with God too, the beauty creator himself. And I absolutely love the time that I spend outdoors and how much it rejuvenates me and refreshes my my spirit, not just my, not just my physical body, but deep down almost in my soul, you can feel this difference in these simple pleasures of being outside. Luce shares this powerful story in his book. He says, even without corroborating evidence or institutional help, many parents notice significant changes in their children's stress levels and hyperactivity when they spend time outside. The back page of an October issue of San Francisco Magazine displays a vivid photograph of a small boy, eyes wide with excitement and joy, leaping and running on a great expanse of California beach, storm clouds and towering waves behind him. A short article explains that the boy was hyperactive. He'd been kicked out of his school and his parents had not known what to do with him, but they had observed how nature engaged and soothed him. So for years, they took their son to beaches, forests, dunes, and rivers to let nature do its work. The photograph was taken in 1907. The boy was Ansel Adams. I mean, oh, that's incredible. If you've seen any of his photography, you know he was extremely gifted at that. And wouldn't it have been a shame if everyone had given up on him and not realized the life-changing effect that nature could have on him? Louv goes on to talk about the fact that our brains are set up for that agrarian, nature-oriented existence, and that neurologically speaking, we haven't caught up with today's overstimulating environment. I don't know about you, but I, I read that, and I completely find this to be true of myself. This presents a slight problem though, since we all can't or don't live on farms. Like it's just not, we're not all able to do that either financially or just our situation or there can be a million reasons why. And so we don't all work the land like our forefathers did. So we'll revisit this issue later. Just tuck that away in the back of your mind for right now. It's very interesting. Another alarming trend we know to be true in our culture as far as this nature deficit problem. And what he means by that is like, we just don't get outside enough. We just don't. Simply put, we're not active enough anymore. One other contributing factor to this nature deficit problem as far as like we don't get outside enough I've observed about the North American view of exercise, and I put that in air quotes, is that it is a little extreme. We think that going to a gym or doing X, Y, Z, whatever form of exercise counts for the day. And then often we are what is called sedentary actives. So we put in our 30 to 60 minutes of a workout, but then we eat terribly and we sit for most of the rest of the day. 
I have noticed that this sedentary lifestyle can totally creep up on all of us far too easily. I mean, myself included. So we have to be intentional about getting outside. It's of note that the obesity epidemic has risen in the era of what Louvre calls the greatest increase in organized children's sports in history. I would add that it's not going to be good enough to think, you know, oh, my son got enough time outside at such and such practice. We're good. That may only be a few hours a week. If the weekends are spent indoors being sedentary, that won't help build habits of health and activity to carry him through his adult years when he's not on a team. One more powerful perspective Louvre shares from the late Edward Reed says, There is something wrong with a society that spends so much money as well as countless hours of human effort to make the last dregs of processed information available to everyone everywhere and yet does little or nothing to help us explore the world for ourselves. So this all sounds well and good, right? We innately know we were created to enjoy and steward the creation, but what's the hitch? What are the things that stop us from getting outside more? I think one piece of the problem besides all the things we've kind of talked about so far is that we all don't live on farms with acres and acres of land to roam safely and freely. So we feel like getting outdoors is almost too much of a chore. Like where will the kids play? If, especially if you don't have a fenced backyard or an open area or this or that. Depending on the ages of your kids, it's a little more stressful to let your little ones play out front. Like for me, we're in a cul-de-sac, but it's like there are cars everywhere, constantly in and out. And very few people stop at the stop sign. So it's like they turn the corner and most of the time they're not coming to our cul-de-sac, but it's like, I kind of have to be on high alert because there, there are a lot of cars and my son is two years old. So anyways, we all have sometimes maybe just situations that we find a little challenging. We might come up with some excuses or feel discouraged about where to begin. Another issue, like I've just kind of mentioned, could be safety. We live in a day and age where it's not as easy to trust that your child will be safe walking here and there. And on top of that, people are hyper critical. I mean, it's it's insane. I blame the rate everything society we've created. Like, tell us what you think of this coffee. Did you have a good experience at our store? What could we do better? So it's a little overdone. And so you're doomed if you give too much freedom to your child and you're made fun of if you don't. So what do we do? How do we make sure that we are living active lives that encourage outdoor play and exploration with our families? I have a few ideas for us. The first one is daily walks. So even if you live in a neighborhood with cars and houses and all of that, just take a, take a walk. Even five minutes counts. Just start building in a daily walk for the perspective shift, the clarity, and the fresh air that it will give you. I find that without fail, when I walk outside, I come back in a calmer state of mind. My stress tends to melt away with every step. Walking with your kids is an excellent way to chat about their day, to find out what colors or animals they're into right now, who their friends are. It also gets you moving and active and outside the house so that you don't get overwhelmed with chores. Like let's say there's a bunch of laundry you know you need, you need to do, or there's dishes or whatever can be stressful for you at the time. It gives you that little break. The second idea is backyard picnics. Take your food outside. So I mean the most basic, simple way you can do this. A blanket plus a peanut butter and jam sandwich plus wonder. They can look up at the clouds and find shapes and animals, see the bees buzzing, notice a delicate butterfly, comment on a blue jay's dazzling blueness, <laughs> which is a real example from my backyard. And I don't know if blueness is a word, but I'm just gonna own it. <laughs> Play some soothing music or just let the bird song take you away to a stress-free place. Watch the squirrels chase each other up and down the trees and the possibilities are endless. Even if you have a little yard or no yard, you could sit out front. When we were renting a small apartment several years ago, I just put out a picnic blanket on our tiny square of yard. <laughs> it was so small. And we would sit out, 
Me and the girls would just sit out and wave to neighbors and I would just let them play. The third idea is to take outdoor adventures, especially on weekends. So let's say a weekend's coming up, just carve out at least an hour or even more, more is better <laughs> if you can, to explore your local forests and lakes and rivers. There are hiking trails, gorgeous roaring oceans if you're near a coastline, fun excursions that you can take everywhere, even if you have to drive a little bit to get there. The fourth idea is to visit a local farm or just even a friend who has some property. There are always places that you can find with a little bit of investigation that offer more space for your kids to run freely and play. Look for farms, national parks, fields, gardens, public playgrounds, or nature reserves. Our kids love to play happily at my friend and co-host Christina's house. They love to roam the tree-filled property, and I love it because it feels so great to let them be free. And I can rest easy knowing though that I'm right there and we're visiting and I can help them if they need anything or I can just watch their joy as they run and play, especially my two-year-old who needs help sometimes. <laughs> it's so wonderful. The fifth idea is to make the most of your front and back porch. So rain or shine, we try to be those neighbors, <laughs> the ones who are outside waving and smiling and playing and getting some fresh air. It's a wonderful way to build a sense of community where you live. Often being outside is contagious. You could inspire someone else to get outside more often because you make it look so appealing and peaceful. I was thinking back to some time in France and there was one Airbnb that we stayed at that had a tiny little balcony and I remember I took my croissant and my coffee out there in the early morning hours and I just sat and I looked out at the lazy river drifting by and I saw people walking and biking and driving to work. And I just spent some time journaling and praying. It was incredible. Now granted, when you're on vacation, you're kind of more able to disconnect from what's back home and you can really relax. But I mean, even if you have a small space, make the best of it, right? I didn't need a giant space to do this and you don't either. Think about all the unused outdoor furniture you see in your neighborhood, it's an absolute tragedy. I remember observing when we lived near a large city how sad it was that all of this poor but gorgeous patio furniture was never used. Let's not let that be the case at our house. Women would flock to Target and Home Goods like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> I'm kidding. And those of you that know what I'm talking about, I hope you appreciate that. But those, you know, stunning throw pillows, fire pits, and chairs were lonely and neglected for most of the year. Oh, it just broke my heart. The last idea, the sixth idea, is to start a garden. And of course, there are so many more ideas, and I'm sure you are already doing a lot of these things, but keep it simple, start small. Even a window box herb garden could be a wonderful way to grow your own herbs and teach your children about water and sunlight and new life. And the bonus is you get to enjoy the bounty of your little crop. Like right now, I have so much dill and basil, I don't even know what to do with it all. <laughs> I'm having to look up new recipes and try to incorporate it because we have so much just thriving in our little gardens. It's so, so fun. So here are some big picture tips and a takeaway for you when it comes to incorporating some of these ideas into our lives and making sure that our children don't develop that nature deficit in their lives and as they grow up. The first one is to take your kids outside every day, rain or shine. And if you hate walking in the rain, get a great umbrella or a wonderful rain jacket. They make gear for every kind of weather. My mom used to bundle me up as a baby and we would go out for short walks even in the frigid Alberta winters. The second tip is to be an inspiration in your neighborhood, and I've already kind of touched on this, but be hospitable, you know, host a neighborhood block party. Again, keep it really basic, really simple, and just consistently get yourself outside to be that friendly face that encourages others to get outside as well. And the last tip is to teach and encourage your kids to spend time outside. 
provide seasonally appropriate opportunities like family camping trips, fishing expeditions, skiing trips, hikes, swimming at the lake, rock climbing, walking, sledding, and the list goes on. I promise you these investments of time and effort to be together outdoors will form powerful memories in your children's hearts and minds and will lay a foundation of trust, fun, and love that your relationship will continue to build on as they get older. So in the same spirit of getting outside and continuing on with that theme, one of my favorite things, because we always talk about some favorite things, um, was fishing when I was a little girl. I went to go with my dad and he taught me how to fish. And there's nothing more exciting than like catching a fish and it's like, it's yours. And if they're the good kind, like I forget which kind we really liked to eat. I think it was certain kinds of like maybe rainbow trout, but we would catch fish and then you'd bring it home and be able to cook it up and eat it. And it was so rewarding and so fun. But just being out on the lake, being out in near the river was just therapeutic. You would just feel so calm. You could hear the birds, you could see a bunch of animals. And so even now, one of my current favorite things is to be outside and tend our garden and watch the kids play. Like we have bubbles and blowing bubbles in the backyard and my little boy helping in quotes, helping water the plants, and the girls splashing and giggling in the pool. So if you have a cool success story that you'd like me to share on the air or a question, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com. Send a little Facebook message or Instagram message, or you could even leave a voicemail, 1-401-371-MAMA. That's 1-401-371-6262. All right, so I've got one more quick thing for you. Our last segment will be a bunglebee moment. And that's just those super funny random things that kids do or say. And you're just like, wow, that really (laughs) was kind of crazy, but it made me laugh and it was great. So recently, before school got out, so a couple weeks back, um, (laughs) several weeks back, one of my daughters was like, hey, we, um, we got a new school canceler, mom. She can cancel school anytime she wants to. I'm like, I'm like, oh, honey, do you mean counselor? She's like, oh, yeah, maybe that's it. But I thought, what a funny job, like if that was real, a school counselor. You just, you sit there in your office and you're like, eh, let's cancel today. It's just awesome. I, I just had to share that. All right, well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. Good old-fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook if you don't already. I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends. Thank you.